Hey everyone, welcome to The Platform. I'm your host, Chad Balthrop, and we're doing our devotions together every Monday through Friday. We've been in the book of 1 Thessalonians, and you may notice that we're coming to the end of 1 Thessalonians. We've been in this book because the theme is to stay on target. And the reason why we keep calling these devotionals is because we're not doing a deep study of each passage. We're really doing a devotional look at each passage of Scripture. What do I mean by that? We read the Scriptures, we make some observations about it, and then we pray about those Scriptures to our Heavenly Father. And Paul does something here at the very end of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that is a familiar pattern for Paul as he writes his letters. It's almost like popcorn where he starts just popping out these little one-line or two-sentence ideas of here's just some things that would help your faith grow strong and your faith grow bold. And we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 14 through 22 today. And then tomorrow we'll finish this entire book. So we've not been in it very long. It's not a very long book, but it's been really good to see the ways Paul's encouraged us to stay on target with our faith. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 14 through 22 are what we'll read today. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, Comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 14 through 22. And man, such a short passage of scripture, but so rich in the encouragement and the instructions that we give. Let's just kind of take them uh, very quickly, one piece at a time. Now, we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. Well, isn't that just a good thing to do? Don't run out into the street, right? Hey, stop being a jerk to the people around you. We need to warn those people who are doing things that are going to deliberately mess up their relationships with one another. I need that friend in my life, and so do you, that's going to stop me before I walk off the edge of the cliff. Then the next idea, comfort the faint-hearted. Comfort the faint-hearted. Man, in this season, there are so many people. There are so many senior adults who are isolated and alone, and even with the miracles of modern technology are having such a difficult time connecting with someone else. I wonder who you could reach out to today and comfort. I wonder who you could offer comfort to the faint-hearted today with. I wonder who that is in your life. Uphold the weak and be patient with all. You know, God loves to show himself strong on behalf of those who are weak. He loves to show himself strong on behalf of the widow and the orphan and those who are, well, those who are not. And 1 Corinthians is just very clear about how his strength, or excuse me, his God's foolishness is wiser, is, is, is wiser than our strength. And excuse me, God's foolishness is wiser than our wisdom and his weakness is stronger than our strength. I'll get that right here in a second. But, uh, and it says we should uphold the weak. And when we do that, I just think we're becoming imitators of God when we use our strength to benefit someone else, to be patient with all, to be long-suffering, to endure. Uh, when we reach the end of our rope, to tie on a new rope and to go a little bit further with one another. Because we all, in those moments, there's just moments in our lives when we just need a little more help. We just need a little more time. We just need a little more patience. And God is patient with us. And so let's take the patience that he's given to us and give that generously to one another. Verse 15, see that no one renders evil 
for evil to anyone, but also, but but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. I find that an interesting instruction. I find it interesting because as believers in Jesus Christ, why would we return evil for evil? Why would we do that? We've been freed from operating the way the world operates. We don't have to live by the world's rules anymore. And certainly it's tempting when someone treats you poorly to treat them poorly back. But isn't that exactly what we did to Jesus Christ? We treated him poorly, and in return, he gave us all the glorious riches of his kingdom. He gave us an inheritance that is undefiled and incorruptible, and he did that not because we deserved it. He did that because he was pursuing what is good both for himself and for all. And I hope we can do that today. And then this series of instructions that I think we find familiar because these are verses of scripture you may have learned in vacation Bible school or, school, or as a child growing up or, or something like that. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We can rejoice always because this is almost like it's a picture of the Holy of Holies. Remember in the Old Testament, the Holy of Holies was a was a symbolic representation of God's relationship with his people. And only certain people were led into the outer courts. And then another group of people were led into the inner courts. And then another, only a smaller group of people were led into the holy place. And then, and then this giant curtain separated God from humanity. God was inside the holy of holies. And, and he sat on the throne of the Ark of the Covenant. And only one time a year could one person enter. And only going after, uh, and only after going through so many rites and rituals to, to guarantee that he had made all the right blood sacrifices for his sins, for the presumptuous sins, for the known sins, for himself and for the nation of Israel, could he even come close to entering the presence of God. But when Jesus died on the cross, that curtain was torn in half. And the presence of God was made available to all who would come to God through Jesus. And so this idea that we can rejoice always, that we can pray without ceasing, it's, it's simple, but it's so profound. It's so meaningful that you and I have the privilege of living our lives in the presence of God each and every moment of each and every day. And so every thought that we think doesn't have to be limited to being a thought it can be more than that. It can be a prayer that we pray because we live our lives, we think our thoughts, we say our words in the presence of God. And so to pray without ceasing, it's that question that I've, I've wondered so many times before, when do the thoughts we think become the prayers we pray? And I believe the thoughts we think become the prayers we pray when we recognize we're thinking those thoughts in the presence of God and we turn our hearts and our minds to God. And so in the middle of that transformation, in the middle of changing the way we think, we can rejoice always. We do become the ones who pray without ceasing. And, and that leads very naturally for us in everything to give thanks to God, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And then those last two verses of this particular section, last three verses, do not quench the Holy Spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. I actually think those last three verses are an illustration of what it means to, to do that first verse, verse 19, do not quench the Holy Spirit. You know, when I think about my relationship with my wife, there's not going to be a moment when we're not married. She's my wife. 
and I'm her husband. And there have been moments when I think I've had to look at her and she's had to look at me and gone, yep, you're stuck with me. Sorry. She, you know, <laughs> she's realized what, I, how weird I am or crazy I am. And yep, we're, we're married. And so my decisions, my choices with Londa may not cause us to not be married anymore, but they certainly could cause her to not want to speak to me anymore. They certainly could do damage to our relationship where, where she stops listening or she stops honoring or she stops really even, well, I hope it never happens. I just hope that there's never this moment when I do something that causes her to just go silent in our relationship. And I think that's what it means when it says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Don't do those things that would cause you to stop hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Well, how do you do that? Well, you don't despise prophecies. You take a look at Scripture. You listen to God's Word, and, and you obey it. You, you read it on a daily basis. You do, devo do devotionals just like this so that you can so that you can understand what the will of the Lord is. And then it says, test all things. As you're reading scripture, um, are you understanding it in its proper context? Are you diving deeply enough in it? Are you having moments that aren't simply devotional moments? Are you doing moments in scripture that are deep studies of God's word so that you can ensure that you understand the context, that you understand the principle and exactly what it is that Christ is trying to say to you? Are you recognizing that you're not you know, when you're reading the book of Samuel, that you're not David in the story. It's not really, you know, you're not one of the characters in this story, but the principles that those characters are learning and the principles that are being applied in these stories, they they apply to us. And so, so are you, are you studying scripture well enough to be able to test all things? As you hear something that sounds like in the world, it has the ring of truth to it. Do you know scripture well enough that you can test what you just heard against the truth of God's word and then to recognize what is good so that you can hold fast to what is good. Do you have that skill? Do you have that ability? Are you in God's word enough? Have you the kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit of God that you've not quenched his voice in your life, that you've not silenced him in your life, but when he speaks, you act and you move because you recognize what his voice sounds like. And then finally, abstain from every form of evil. What an incredible series of encouragements in such a short period of time Paul makes in these last few verses. Tomorrow, we'll finish the chapter. And as we do, let's pray this back to our Heavenly Father. Father, thank you so much for your word. I do pray that we would pray without ceasing, that we would rejoice always, that we would recognize the truth when we hear it and we see it, and that we would apply it to our lives and that we would help others to apply it to theirs. I pray that, that we would warn those who are unruly, that we would comfort the faint-hearted, that we would uphold the weak, and that we would be patient with all. When we're tempted to return evil for evil, I pray that we wouldn't, but that we would overcome evil with good, and that we would overcome that evil with good, not because of anything that good that's naturally in us, but because of the way your Spirit supernaturally has placed your goodness into us. So help us to walk in that today. We love you, Father, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks so much for listening today. Uh, I hope that you'll press subscribe so that you can catch future episodes and that you'll like, comment, or share this post so that we can connect with other people. You can also connect with a, another podcast. It's a follower of one. It's one of our partner podcasts. They do a great job with interviews and devotionals as well. It's available everywhere podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on The Platform. <music>